Well, hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting once more across the radio waves on Saga 960 AM and Coastal Carolina Network every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki, here in the studio, live and luxurious, and I'm joined by my colleague David Clement, wearing his beautiful uh, golf shirt uh, here on this uh, great end of the week. How goes it, David? Uh, It's going. It's going. No complaints. Um... Exciting times in uh, in Canada in terms of the polls and just uh, feels it feels like the Liberals may be at the end and we're starting to see some cracks in the foundations in terms of uh, some jockeying and some leaking of comments. Uh, there are, uh, are the walls closing in? Is that what you're telling me, David? <laughs> it would appear as though the walls are closing in, yes. It uh, would appear as if the walls are closing in. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah the uh, conservatives are having their big conflab. Um, I believe they're in uh, Quebec City. Yep. Uh, new logo unveiling. Um, what I love, David, is when we have a perfect, and I think, you know, we've gotten... Um, some comments on our program that we are obviously very North American focused and we have sort of a unique hold on the uh, US v Canada market. Uh, so it was beautiful to see that um, much like many months ago when conservative leader uh, Pierre Poilievre became the ami uh, favori, um, uh, uh, became the, the favorite friend of the British conservatives, uh, it seems that the Yimby crowd in the States has also woken up to P.I. Polyev's policies specifically on housing, oh, what are you which are pretty universal. Um, so let's go here. Do a little bit of research here on the, on the Twitters. I saw this a couple of days ago. Um, so there was this video that was put out by the uh, P.I. Polyev campaign uh, that was specifically from his account. And uh, it's the one where he's wearing the very similar blue that you have on this shirt. It's like one of the more popular uh, videos he did recently. And he, he just talks about the housing plan, talks about transit. Um, I, that one, for some reason, popped uh, pretty well. I'm trying to find the, uh, the link here. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it was essentially one where he's just in, talking about the housing policy and doing it from a... He's like a cool guy in the street. Yeah. You've seen this style of Yeah, video. yeah. And uh, uh, not a friend of the show, but someone that we admire is Nolan Gray. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe he wrote a book called uh, Arbitrary Lines or something like that about zoning and very big on many different YIMBY issues, housing issues, uh, zoning. Um, had a, uh, a tweet about it. Said, oh, my God, look at this. This is the conservative leader in Canada saying things that you'd think would be coming out of some leftist uh, political leader. Ooh. I like it. Yeah, Nolan it Gray was... for um for for listeners is the Twitter account who arguably has the greatest tweet of all time on housing. I don't know if you know this one, Yael. Hit me. So I don't know what city it was in, but um Essentially, they were, like, tearing down a, an old Burger King that I think had gone out of business. And they were going to build, uh, like, an apartment building, like a condo building. Big lot. I mean, it's an American city, so there's obviously a lot of parking for this uh, Burger King. And uh, whenever you get any development like that, you get all the classic objections. 
and uh, someone was like, yeah, but how many affordable units is this new condo building going to have? And he just responded, how many affordable units did Burger King have? Uh, it's just yeah, so yeah. good it's so good and I mean it's like one of those ones that you see pop up like people have screenshotted it over the years um, and and you just see it pop up now and again and it's just awesome love it yeah and uh, the British Yimby movement the conservatives were incredibly excited because uh, they got to see uh, you know some of the early proposals of uh, Pierre Poilievre yeah. uh, specifically specifically we're just talking about transit because uh, that's obviously a big thing uh, getting you know the incentives to build housing near transit yeah. and that's a big deal for people who want to live in cities uh, so yeah that was it was just an interest interesting intersection mm-hmm. uh, that, that we kind of kind of had between uh, between the US and Canada uh, but David I got a couple clips uh, we can go to um, let's see do you want to um, what do you got? Do you want to do some um, Trump is the most evil man? Do you want to do some uh, diversity in Nordic films? Oh, uh, what, what? <laughs> you decide. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, well let's let's start with this. Oh, uh, everyone knows the trend. Um, you know, you have a Netflix series, and um, you have a lot of characters, uh, very diverse casts. Uh, something that we like. It's sort of the ESG mantra. You know, you need to have uh, equity. Yeah. Um, that's in the films as well. And this is, um, uh, I believe it's the Danish actor, uh, Mikkelsen. Uh, he's been in everything. It's like the Danish guy. He's the bad guy in uh, Casino Royale. And um, they're doing a a film, I believe, about Denmark. And uh, one a member of the press asked them about uh, diversity. Ooh. And uh, they're a little stunned. Okay. Uh, this is a cast and a Danish production, which is entirely Nordic. It uh, therefore has some lack of diversity. You would say, as also new rules are implied what? in Hollywood. What are you on to? <laughs> yeah, sorry, but from the get-go, uh, from the get-go, there is said some. Okay. Well, first of all, the f- film takes place in Denmark in the 1750s. <laughs> I, I just like this um, yeah, very uh, tongue-in-cheek type thing. Of, well, bro, it's like a 1750s movie in Denmark. Uh, it was not the most bus- bustling of metropolises back yeah. then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Vikings. It'd be like like the Vikings looked as they looked. I, I don't know really what to tell you. <laughs> Not that we're talking about the Vikings, but um. yes, yeah. So yeah, that that's just a fun one today. We're doing a, a fun thing. It's uh, beginning of September, David. We'll be traveling uh, next week. Uh, we'll be in Washington D.C. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Uh, walking up the the halls of power. Uh, got a couple things planned, and uh, so we have to go play it out here before we get back into the news stories this is a good one um i'm gonna play this clip and you need to guess who it is talking about trump as the most evil person all right let's hear it all right let's play this game in our nation's 246 year history there is the start yeah any guesses you gotta give me some hint there was that wasn't long enough Okay, okay, we'll keep it going. Never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tra- Are we getting there? It's not like Michael Douglas, is it? No, 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 let's keep going. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. 
I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Man, I don't know. So any, any guesses, David? No, I'm lost. I recognize the voice. So we get the message. Yeah. Donald Trump, um, very evil. Yeah. Um, someone can't follow. So since you did not um, give a good guess, I'll give you a hint. Uh, a former vice president. Is it Dick Cheney? It is Dick Cheney. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I do kind of forget that he's still alive. It's a strange world out there. Uh, he is still alive, still kicking. This video that he posted, he's uh, wearing a cowboy hat, and I think he's in Wyoming nuts. And uh, he has a I voted sticker. Oh, lovely. Uh, which I, I don't know of any votes going on right now. So either he just wears it all the time or there... <laughs> There was some kind of primary election, oh, <laughs> or maybe he man. voted for local dog catcher. Yeah, I don't know. but oh, yeah, boy. Trump is uh, uniquely evil, lied to his people. My goodness. I wonder if he sees. I mean, yeah, that is of course true about Trump. But I wonder if Dick Cheney like sees the irony in him making that statement. <laughs> Everything. Let people buy everything. Yeah, I think, uh, it, especially if you've seen the movie Vice, yes. uh, which is a very well done uh, depiction of uh, his life, you know, not necessarily in a 100% <laughs> accurate way, but uh, yeah, a lot of people have called Dick Cheney, you know, we used to call him Darth Vader, most evil guy ever, but uh, he's not on the Trump bandwagon. No. Um, and, and this is, I've heard this from uh, leftist commentators. Okay. Because uh, I think this is kind of important. When Trump came in, you know, he was not a part of the system no, at all. No, very much and, outside. And really had no, he had no fealty or loyalty to institutions or people or, like, knew how things were going. So there's a certain segment of the population that was just scared that this guy, you know, had not been beaten in through the system, right? He hadn't gone through the ringer yet. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't going to be disciplined in the way that you... T- Again, we're talking about... A vice president who you know helped launch an illegal war, and <laughs> so I, I, it's it's hard to talk about this uh, without irony. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, to be honest, you, if if you had asked me, I wouldn't have been certain that Dick Cheney was even still alive. Oh, he's still alive and kicking. Doesn't matter if there's a hunting accident. Uh, I think he's had heart surgery four times. Uh, this guy is still kicking. That's the prime, prime now. So he's uh, he's alive and well. Uh, so let's head back to uh, talking about the the Canadian situation, David. Policy wise, there's been a lot of focus on uh, Bill C eighteen. Finally, yeah. Couldn't get a, a you know a nickel's worth of coverage on this early on, but now we've opened the floodgates. And uh, we've seen a lot of the complaints from digital media groups uh-huh. who uh, are not able to reach parts of their audience and um, essentially are being penalized because of the actions of, of um, the government and uh, some of the major news organizations. I, I think I read one thing the other day where the CBC, the Canadian broadcast uh, company there in Canada, yeah. was supposed to be the biggest beneficiary of some of these um, media deals, which is the and, most wild uh, perhaps thing. Perhaps that's ever. why they're so sour, right? And and if if the Trudeau government really wanted to sell this, they could have said, "All right, we will reduce taxpayer money for the CBC, but we'll include them in C eighteen, so they get paid. Not that they're not that any company's ever going to get paid, because I don't think it's ever going to get rolled out like that. 
Um, and that would have been a way to sell it, but they can't. Um, and so, like, it's wild that the CBC would get a billion dollars head start from taxpayers and then also get money in this silly online news act. That just makes no sense to me at all. It's very silly, and uh, there's been a lot more attention to this. Um, also globally, Yeah, uh, we've seen a lot of efforts. And, you know, it depends on who's framing it. Vice had a, as usual, terrible news uh, segment <laughs> okay. about this. How bad? How bad? It was probably the worst thing you've ever seen, and it's given to you by a woman in a nose ring. Okay. And <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. It just, it's a little too much on the nose. Uh, she was just saying, well... You know, this is all Facebook's fault. Oh. Um, they brought us to this moment. Did they? And uh, the government needs to do something. It's sort of how the Vice, uh, little Vice documentary so on Instagram is, is framed. I'm, I'm starting to realize that I've yet to meet anyone unless they have a real vested interest in getting paid via the Online News Act. I have not met an ordinary person who thinks that Facebook is stealing content. The premise of, of the bill. I have not met one person who's like, oh yeah, like like one person who's not directly tied to something, some entity that would mean that they get paid. Not one. Boost. Oh wow, so public choice economics comes to rear its ugly head again. A uh, bunch of people standing... Um, waiting with their arms out to get the money that the government will force companies to pay them, and uh, they're not getting it, so they're upset. <laughs> yeah, uh, wild. Color me surprised. Yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah, it's, yeah and, uh, um, you know, again, if we had a, an actual environment where we could have debated this earlier, it would have been very helpful, uh, but many of the major news uh, publications um, did not want to air those messages, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think we're, we're worse off for it. Uh, Dave, once we're back from the break, we can get a bit more into this because this is, uh, again, being replicated in other places and having a lot of impact. And uh, wow, a lot of these new uh, Trudeau cabinet ministers just have to step in it. You just, it's just <laughs> gross how far they have to go to, uh, to support some of this. Uh, but we'll hear more about that oh, once we're back here yep. on Consumer Choice Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio. We're talking Bill C-18 once more on the program. You got to go to talk radio or a podcast to, to really get in a good debate about this, David, because uh, you try to do it online. You're a bit inundated. You try to log on to uh, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest. You You'll see, see a lot of political news. ads right? yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> from and those then, same and, people. And this is how you know that the whole thing is a fraud because... The Liberal Party is still advertising on Facebook. So Facebook is so evil that the Liberals are going to spend probably something like $10 million advertising on Facebook. So evil. <laughs> Such a yeah, threat the, to uh, democracy, Yael. They are a threat uh, to democracy. They are undermining democracy. They don't want to pay their fair share. And my party is writing them a check for $10 million. <laughs> 
And I just dropped my cue card. I don't know how to respond to this. Um, I've run out of talking points. Uh, yeah, the, it, you, interesting you bring that up. Uh, the journalist Matt Taibbi had a great post the other day about this use of democracy. Oh, yeah. And uh, sort of the changing definition of it. Uh, and like all things, it just comes down to, um, you know, everything that I don't like is, it is against democracy. democracy. Can I give you the most recent example? It, it drives me bananas. Let, it really infuriates me. Okay, so... Pierre Polyev made some rather forward comments months ago about the uh, Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem saying that he done goofed, essentially. Um, and everyone was like, whoa, he's challenging the no democratic norms of autonomy. And, and, I mean, I don't mean to mock that argument because it is actually true. The Bank of Canada is supposed to be autonomous. So he gets raked over the coals for for veering away from democratic norms and undermining the democratic principles of the Bank of Canada's autonomy. This is very serious. Although nobody in Canada knows what the Bank of Canada does, they just see the money guy on TV and he says the rates are going up. <laughs> um, and then the premier of the NDP premier of BC comes out last week and he's like yeah the bank of canada's got to stop raising rates tiff stop raising rates doug ford comes out and says he's got to stop raising rates okay well where's like i thought this was like apocalypse now if you did this apparently i thought not. it was a constitutional crisis yeah apparently not and then they ask freeland they're like what do you think that about tiff macklem holding rates um flat and she's like, I think it just is great. It provides a lot of relief for Canadians. And it's like, Mr. Freeland, were you not just the one, like, a couple months ago being like, yeah, Pierre shouldn't talk about this because, like, the Bank of Canada is not supposed to be swayed by politics? And it's like, uh, hello? <laughs> Where did all like the outrage go? A lot of people say they don't like me, but they like my I think they like me. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, just a classic standard of double standards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, Dave. We've been paying attention to politics, you know, since, I mean, probably for our generation since 9-11. Yeah, yeah, easy. I, I'd say it's, yeah. I think it, fall, it falls basically around that. You know, you've got to learn who, who people were in government, what was going on, uh, or you watch great CBC uh, programs like Intelligence that um, <laughs> came out around that time. Still promoting that show. And, you know, we heard things. Politicians would say one thing, and they say, this is unbelievable. You can't say that. And then three weeks later, they'd say it. And then there are all these shifting uh, morales, or the term that we like to use is shifting of the goalposts. Yes. Uh, as to what is acceptable and what is not. When Trump was brought in, everything was tossed aside. And, you know, the mantra is, we need to break the system to break Trump. Otherwise, there won't be a system. And it almost applies to everything. And we see the same thing that's happening to Pierre Poilievre. I would hope there would not be any shenanigans. You know, there's definitely a lot of rhetorical shenanigans, money being raised, strange journalistic things. Planted stories are probably coming soon. Uh, but the double standard problem, um, I, this is probably the 87th case that I can remember. Oh. Just off the top of my head. Everyone's here. I think we had a whole episode that was like, everyone's a hypocrite now. Everybody. Yeah. And it, it always, you know, sometimes it's uh, people 
get power, you know, and they kind of change their mind a little bit, which whatever, we get that. But when you're in power the whole time and you hold your opposition to some standard and then <laughs> three seconds later you just turn around, do the same thing, I just cannot... I, do, I think our brains are almost being fried. We pay attention to this too much. Again, yeah. I cannot imagine what it's like for the normal worker who, you know, pays attention to the news, like maybe once a week, you know, just flip through the channels or listen to the radio or something. They got to be so confused. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, wait a second. Weren't you saying the other thing like two weeks ago? I'm against the current thing. Yes. <laughs> the current thing that I'm against undermines democracy. But if you talk to me in two weeks, I may be for the current thing. And in that case, it will not undermine democracy because I'm for it. And I think we had another uh, very good example. Um, obviously, the uh, Canadian government, Foreign Service there, put out a uh, travel advisory for uh, people of the two-spirit LGBTQIAAP communities. Um, a travel warning against going to the United States. Yeah, well, that, that uh, one I believe, just blows my mind. I believe there's no warning in place for um, a few Muslim-majority countries where it is not legal uh, to be a member of that community. It's not legal uh, to literally I, exist. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, Melanie Jolie was, uh, was proudly uh, flying around the, the planet meeting a couple of these guys, and I'm pretty sure it didn't come up in conversation. I mean, Trudeau just was meeting with the the president or prime minister of Indonesia. I don't think he mentioned it there, as far as I know. He just wanted to know how the surf spots were in Bali. Pretty sure he didn't. And so, like, it's just like, I wish that I could be one of the the reporters who's like cruising around and just and just get my chance to ask a question and be like, so. Um, Prime Minister, your government recently issued a travel advisory for the United States for members of the LGBTQ community. Um, given that we're in Indonesia, should you also be issuing a travel advisory for this country for those people given the current state of the law here? Yes or no? And then just like keep every country, because he's cruising around Asia right now, and just Keep asking the same question. Oh, should there be a travel advisory for here as well? What What about here? And and here? The LGBTQ travel agency needs to know, um, Prime Minister Trudeau. Uh, another thing is, um, you know, just think of the great, I think, great policies at the outset. Things like legalizing cannabis. And, yep. David, we've talked a lot about this. Which, you know, it yes, very erroneous in the way it's been carried out. But it's still, it's done. Yes, you know, why isn't this like part of Canada's flag waving? And why, instead of going to Indonesia and just talking weird things about trade, doesn't Trudeau say, hey, don't you have like a couple of people in jail on death row? Yes. Because they touch the same stuff you could buy at a government store in He was Ottawa? in Singapore. It's like, it's like literally the death penalty <laughs> for possession. And, you know, if I, that's what I would do, you know, talk about values of Western countries of Canada. That's kind of... I don't know. Perhaps I've uh, I'm not thinking about what is in the resume of a leader. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the thing that's irritating is that if you're going to be in the business of like moralizing our trade partners and like trying to keep the moral high ground, the United States is 
one of the last countries you lecture in terms of the comparative nature of what life is like there, civil liberties-wise, etc., to Canada versus all of these other countries. I mean, at the same time, Trudeau is 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 caution or is letting um, Asian partners know um, in in the ASEAN trading bloc that our trade relations with China have stabilized because we're not going to turn our back on any economy in the world because if we did that it would be a disservice to Canadians and it's like wait a second all right so you're going to talk about stabilizing relationship with relationships with China and then at the same time issue a travel advisory <laughs> to the United States the country that we're most most alike yeah, it's just like a it's a cheap shot, and um, they kind of know that with this current admin, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It seems as if everybody's just really anti DeSantis. You know, if you remember, the NAACP also had yeah. a travel advisory for African Americans traveling to, yeah. to Florida. It, I I didn't know that we we're supposed to politicize travel advisories nowadays. Are they also going to do the same thing with the weather? You know. <laughs> It's like, hey, we, you know, we thought there'd be a tornado there in Oklahoma, Republican land, but uh, nope, uh, nothing happening. Yeah. You know, outside, huge tornado. You know, well, we don't like you anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's the one thing about government and stuff is it's supposed to be neutral, and you're not supposed to have all this kind of things. But you know, yeah, I, mean, I don't, uh, I don't play the game. I, I want to, uh, I want to share with you a funny tweet because the uh, the liberals are it, it would look like in full scramble mode um, so here is their, to see it. here is their attack at right now um, as the conservative convention is, is starting Pierre Polyev's conservatives are about to kick off their convention in Quebec City well, they'll, they'll push to make cuts to, ser- cuts to services, roll back climate action and import far right American style politics and then it lists them. They're going to cut services to seniors and families, make pollution free again, restrict <laughs> access to abortion, promote volatile cryptocurrencies, and promote American-style politics and put assault weapons back in our communities. And uh, one of the pollsters, Brian Brugeau, Brugeau, I don't know how to pronounce his last name <laughs> He just responded. He goes, honestly, just concede the next election and save us some embarrassment. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, we're in a very strange, like, uh, dark moment, David. It's a uh, strange... We live in a dark moment. Yeah. Uh, cause... What's up, Vivek? <laughs> what's up, Vivek? Yeah. What's up, Vivek? Oh, and, you gotta, you know... That's going to be on the regular rotation now because that one is world class. I mean, he's also getting roasted for, like, having competing... Statements with different people, but I love that quote. We are in a we live in a dark moment. Yeah, and it's especially true. And this is the thing about um, and look, what I'm I'm I appreciate more from um, American Democrats and the and the way that the system works is they act like they're in charge. Yes, and they're running stuff and they yes. run on their record. Um, the Canadian faction uh, is acting like they haven't you know run the pony show for almost a decade. I don't know who it was in com in the House of Commons, but they brought up Stephen Harper the other day. It's like that was 2015. How many years? It's almost been a decade. 
you do not get to be like, yeah, well, we're cleaning up the mess of the previous guy. It's like, you had a majority government for five years. You could have done anything you wanted. Enough. Oh, that is true. And, man, uh, the list, the laundry list that, you know, we would be able to implement on our own, David, if they if they just gave us a shot. They just said, look, we're looking at NGOs for a couple of ideas of stuff to do. Um, it probably wouldn't be us. They'd probably choose, like, uh, Max Fawcett. Yeah. Know who this guy is? <laughs> yes, uh, I do. That's that opens up a whole other um, <laughs> nice little wormhole. All, all we uh, need, all we need, Gail, is a don't button. It's like you know what we're really thinking about. It's like don't. How about let's not and say we did. That. Let's not and say we did. That that would be my government policy. It'd be like, oh yeah, we're gonna unroll this blood. It's like, eh, let's not and say we did. <laughs> let's unroll our sleeves. Let's leave those sleeves, you know, right there. Let leave them buttoned up. <laughs> yes. No rolling up of the sleeves, Keep please. Keep the French cuffs on to frame the Rolex properly. Yeah, I got to make sure it's in view. <laughs> oh my good. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's obviously a, a perfect moment to talk about the. <laughs> I do like that image, though. That's going in the AI generator. Yes, uh, please. Week. <laughs> uh, well, David, uh, we're going to play a clip. Uh, we're going to do some healthcare competition. We haven't talked about healthcare for a while. And yeah. It's something that's still on people's minds. So we have an uh, interview that we did with Emmanuel B. Faubert of the Montreal Economic Institute to talk about healthcare competition yep. and how it works. Um, but in our last 30 seconds or so, what are you most uh, looking forward to about uh, D.C., Washington? Flying to Mordor. Um, good food. Um, seeing the crew, you know, getting the band back together. I think that's I like uh, that. that's the highlight for me. Yep, and uh, well, we'll be there to celebrate. Uh, keep listening. We'll be back next week. Consumer Choice Radio. Mm-hmm.